When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, scores! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Hey, what's up, Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the unofficial podcast of RinkRoyalty.com. I'm Scott Kinville, and we got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to make it rain, so to speak. We'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, before we do, I want to let you know that you can find us on social media at Twitter, uh, at Rink Royalty, and also at Royalty underscore pod. And you can find us on Facebook at the Hockey Royalty Podcast. So, like I said, we're going to make it rain here. But before I do that, I want to bring in my panel. First of all, as always, the leadoff hitter, the straw that stirs the drink, Mr. Ryan Sykes. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, Scott. Doing well tonight. A little sad about the season ending, but, uh, you know, after last night's 6 nothing game, <laughs> a little yeah, easier to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get a goal tonight. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, or a shot on goal. Let's start with that. <laughs> hey, you know what? Baby steps. You're right. Baby steps. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm going to bring in our panelist for tonight, the man who puts the rock in rock and roll. I'm bringing in Mr. Russell Morgan. What's going on, Russ? Man, these intros are getting better and better. Every they time are. I'm on here. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't What's even think about this. <laughs> I like it. Not too much. Not too much. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you'd be surprised what rattles around inside of my head. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But before we get any further into that... Uh, <laughs> Like I said, I want to bring our guest in. Uh, our guest is the AHL beat writer for NHL.com, and he also contributes for EP Rinkside. I'm talking about the one, the only, Mr. Patrick Williams. Thanks for coming on, Patrick. 
Hey guys, thanks for having me. Hey we Patrick, so we really yeah. So Patrick, just to jump right off the bat, um, just want to get a little bit of information about your background. Just kind of um, guide us to uh, how you got into hockey writing to where you are now. Yeah, well, I've been been at it for a while now. Like the years start to go by really fast. Uh, it feels like after that first five years. If you are still in it, then you're kind of in it for life. Um, and that's that's the story for me. And uh, um, I, I kind of broke in the same way as, you know, uh, a player or a coach might. Uh, starting off uh, lower levels and, and you build your way up. And um, eventually I got to the NHL covering the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, did that for uh, the better part of uh, five plus years. Uh, then just uh, decided to, uh, you know, to help with my wife's uh, situation, like uh, we're going to scale back and, and cover the entire American Hockey League, which I had done <laughs> on the way up. So I've almost kind of come full circle, uh, starting in the AHL, going to the NHL, and kind of coming back. Uh, now doing the whole league, which is a totally different challenge from doing a team beat. Uh, team beat, you're just completely immersed in your one team for the most part. League is now 28 teams this year, 31 in a typical year, 32 in a couple years. Uh, it's a lot to keep track of, uh, but it gives you kind of almost um, unlimited uh, story ideas and, and topics you can, you can jump into. For sure, and I imagine it can be overwhelming. And one of the questions I was going to ask you is, how the heck do you keep up with all the teams in the AHL? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's tough. I mean, especially this league, I mean, like, a typical year turnover is probably maybe a third to a half um, of a team. So multiply that across 31 teams this year, I'd say it's probably more like two thirds of the uh, rosters for each team at turned over. So, um, you know, there's just uh, constant coming and going, especially with the taxi squads and um, everything with that. So, um, yeah, that's been a challenge. There's over a thousand players uh, that played in the, American Hockey League this year, so just trying to you know get your uh, get your info on them, get your arms around you know what uh, each of them are, get their scouting reports. Uh, it's a lot, but it's it's a good it's a good kind of challenge, I think. Yeah, and you noted it too is kind of an unlimited um, amount of yeah, content because, I mean, that you can write about. And I mean, are you always watching a hockey game? It feels that way, like <laughs> especially this year because like the the AHL doing a lot of afternoon games so even like on a monday afternoon you're getting like a one o'clock four o'clock then your seven and your ten o'clock game so like it's not just a saturday that's busy anymore it's like pretty much seven days a week so that's probably been the biggest challenge and the biggest difference this year is just uh going from a pretty much an exclusively weekend league to now pretty much seven days a week uh you don't really get that time to kind of uh, take stock of things and, and catch up on what happened in the lead in the past couple of days. It's just go, go, go. Yeah. And you noted it too, the weekend, uh, this coming weekend, I believe the rain have their final two games, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on um, the AHL playoffs. Obviously it's just going to be the Pacific division. Mm-hmm. Um, just overall, what are your thoughts on that? And um, I guess what are player, what are other players saying about it? Well, that, that's that's funny you ask that. I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of players, it's um, it's a tough ask for them right now because um, you don't get paid for the playoffs. Um, 
you know, ever. Uh, and, and in a normal year, you you would make your playoff bonus, and and that can be a pretty decent chunk of change for players in a normal year when you have fans and everything like that. But this year you don't. So the revenue is, you know, pretty much next to nothing. So players more or less are having to kind of eat that cost on their own and uh, stick around for another few weeks. So that's a little tough for them. I think, I do think once they get into the middle of it, then that goes off to the wayside a little bit and uh, it becomes more about just playing. So I, I think they'll be okay with it once they get going. I know there's some grumbling now, but um, uh, I think it's a fun concept. I mean, just um, best of three uh, really does allow for any one of the seven teams to have a shot. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, speaking of shot, I mean, the, the rain are, they're a very different team than when they started out uh, the season. I believe they had one, one win in their first 13 tries. Um, and obviously they're going to get Quentin Byfield back for uh, however long, I believe it's uh winner go home for in the playoff format. Um, just wanted to gauge your thoughts on what you think the rain chances are at uh, potentially winning the division. Yeah. I like their chances really probably as much as anybody, maybe San Diego and, and Henderson are kind of for me, the, the big competition there. But um, when you look at, uh, what the rain have done. I mean, for, for my money, they're the most improved team by far uh, from what they were at the beginning of the year, kind of just a um, disorganized group. And that was just the product of having nine players that were 19 years old or younger coming in to the pro level. Uh, and they had some bad, bad nights. And uh, you saw the difference for players coming in from junior or college to the pro level. I, I don't think they know what hit them. But uh, John Roblowski just did a phenomenal job getting them all on the same page. Uh, and I think getting them through that that uh, that first stretch without their confidence being completely shattered. Uh, so I've been really impressed by what they've done. And I think, uh, you know, they've been one of the most dangerous teams down the stretch here. And they, they've knocked off uh, some pretty good teams. San Diego, they, they, they won back-to-back games. They swept Colorado on the road a couple weeks ago, a really good team. So um, I think, yeah, if you're an Ontario Reign slash L.A. Kings fan, you have to be really happy because the biggest thing there is it's the kids that are leading the way. It's the prospects. It's not the older guys. It's, it's the players that you hope will eventually be in L.A. Uh, who are doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah, Patrick, I would totally agree. I mean, most King fans, Kings fans would agree that a lot of the future talent is down in Ontario right now. and. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we can just dive right into the main star down there, Quentin Byfield. Kind of want to get your thoughts on how his uh, first professional season's been going so far. Yeah, you know, early on, he definitely looked like an 18-year-old. I mean, he's one of those guys I think, like, you got to give him a couple years to kind of grow into his body. He's got, like, the the height, but, you know, the, the weight and the, and the strength isn't quite there yet uh, for him to kind of utilize that, skill set as, as a real power forward. I think that's where he eventually really projects to. Um, but he's learning the details of the game. I mean, he's he's trying to play center at the pro level as an 18-year-old. Uh, in the American Hockey League, is, I think it's a far better lead than people give it credit for. It's, it's, a, it's one step down, but there's a, there's a ton of guys in this league that have played pretty substantial NHL games different point and you're coming in as an 18 year old uh, i don't care if you're a second round or second overall pick or not you're you're still 18 years old and you're trying to handle things and um 
he's 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 looked his age at times, but I think the biggest thing with him is you're seeing that improvement. You're seeing all those lessons that Robloski is, is teaching him. They're they're sinking in, and he's learning, and he's he's doing all the things you want to do. So um, I think it's really in a lot of ways kind of been a tale of two seasons for him. Uh, that that first half or so where he does look that age, and then now he looks like like a much more polished product and. You know, I'm really interested to see what he can do coming into camp next year. I think he has a great shot, I think, to stick in L.A. full-time. But if not, he'll get a, a great education there, uh, continuing there in Ontario. Yeah, I think I think I would kind of go – I don't want to say I would go out on a limb, but I think we're all kind of in agreement here that if Quentin Byfield is probably going to be on the NHL roster next season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like you mentioned, is at the beginning of the year, he did look a little bit – he, he looked like an 18 year old just yeah. playing his first professional games and kind of grew uh, into that as well. Um, but that's just kind of how most of the Ontario Reign players looked. And as you mentioned, it's just full of young prospects that are, are just coming. I mean, we can get into two more guys here, Alex Turcotte and Arthur Kaliev. I mean, they just finished a gold medal campaign for the world junior championships and dove right into playing for the Ontario Reign. I'd love to get kind of get your input on their season as well. Yeah, Turcotte, I mean, very interesting story for him. And, and, you know, just the background for him is obviously the fifth overall pick. Uh, big year last year in Wisconsin, uh, played at World Juniors, came in and really had a hard time. Um, he had an injury early on that kept him out for a few weeks, uh, wasn't getting much goal production, which, um, you know, coaches and, and players can say all the right things, but let's be honest, that's what's going to kind of get a player's confidence up if he's starting to put some numbers up on the score sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, obviously, there's a lot more to learn to the game, but uh, it is good for young players to have kind of that that early positive reinforcement, and he didn't get that. Uh, he had, you know, a really tough go of it, but uh, you talk to Robluski, um, the added, attitude's been great uh, with Tarkat. He's been working on all those little details um, despite that lack of goal scoring early on, he's, he's been uh, sticking to the plan, uh, really um, uh, following uh, all of Robleski's uh, uh, guidance. And those two go back a while. They go back to, I think, Turcotte was 15, uh, the, you know, coming up through that U.S. development program. And mm-hmm. um, so, so you have a guy like Turcotte who's come in, he's had nothing but success all, all along. And then he's hit really the first big roadblock in his career this year and he had to get over it and uh get past it and he did and he had a hat trick this past weekend uh really looked good and he's an interesting case in the sense that uh it's pretty self-aware and uh he pointed out that uh in some ways uh, you go from the world junior which is such a like high tempo high pace tournament uh it's short obviously and then you come to the American Hockey League, which is it's a grinding league. It's it's a league full of you know it's, it's hitting. It's 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 not a super high scoring league in a lot of ways. Uh, so he had to completely shift gears in that re- in that regard, and he had it, that obviously took him some time to do it, but he's figured it out, and now he, now you're starting to see that talent come through. And I think if you're you're LA, you have to be really happy. And uh, Kelly, if I think it's been a little bit more of a a smoother transition. You forget almost that he's only 19 years old. He obviously has an excellent shot that that's a big weapon for him. But I mean, uh, you know, his production has been phenomenal. I mean, 
if this was a full season, he'd be on pace for 25 goals as a 19 year old at, you know, the second highest level in the, in the world. So, um, a nice find for the LA Kings as a second round pick, just shy of, uh, being a first round, uh, guy a couple years ago. So, uh, a guy that, um, you know, his game has translated really well to the pro level. Um, good size. I think that helps him early on. Um, he's kind of got almost that, that pro uh, caliber size already. So he hasn't had as much an adjustment with that. And um, yeah, the I, real positive um, returns uh, for him as a rookie. I mean, for a guy who would normally be in the OHL still to come into this league and, and really be on pace for a 25 goal season is I think just really encouraging if you're LA. And I want to, uh, Patrick, I want to jump back to Alex Turcott for a second, you know, with Trevor's egress coming up, um, mm-hmm. Cole Caulfield coming up and doing his thing. And then Alex Newhook coming up at the end of the season, I guess, uh, kind of a two part question for you. What can you say to, I guess, LA Kings fans that might be listening to this that are frustrated with seeing these other guys come up, um, to, I guess, reassure them that Alex Turcott is uh, w- worthy of the fifth overall pick? And also, do you see him transitioning to the wing in the future? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, they seem to like him, if, if possible, uh, to be a centerman. I think it's one of those things. I mean, you, you saw with Zegers, for example. Zegers had that, that similar thing where uh, going from the wing to learn how to play center and uh, if you talk to any player, I mean, they'll tell you playing center is just so much more work. I mean, it's just uh, a lot much more detail you have to be aware of and, and kind of your, your spatial awareness and everything. So um, I would say to L.A. Kings fans this, uh, more and more when you talk to coaches around the American Hockey League, there's this theme that every player has their own development curve. And that sounds obvious. But for the longest time, that was not something that was the norm in the American hockey league. It was like, if this guy's not ready in two years, pretty much let's write him off. Now there's a little bit more of a realization that, hey, it may take two, three. There are guys that take four years. You look at Carter Verhage in, uh, in Florida. He had a long, long haul. He went from Toronto to the Islanders to Tampa uh, system all before he was about 22, 23 years old. And it took him a while to finally figure it out, but he did. And now he's become a pretty productive player. Danny Gord, the same thing in Tampa. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where um, it's there's really not a, a, a one-size-fits-all approach anymore. And I would just say that with Turcotte, he's 20 years old. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a rookie. He's a young kid still trying to find his way. But I think... It, for LA Kings fans, I would take sauce in the fact that they pour so so many resources into player development now. Uh, the skills coaches that they get, um, this is not like you know your your AHL maybe 15 years ago where you had maybe head coach and assistant coach if you were lucky and that was it, and you might see somebody show up twice a year. Uh, now you're getting uh, daily coaching almost on just all the small details. So I think it's really exciting uh, if you're an L.A. Kings fan uh, with Turcotte and then that whole other group as well. And then jumping back to Kaliev real quick, um, I guess assuming the CHL rules go back into play next year uh, mm-hmm. for the age 20 season, do you see Kaliev making the jump to the NHL or do you see him going back to Hamilton? 
Well, he should be eligible next year. He's at 2001, so uh, that's the good thing uh, for for LA. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, that that is a major issue right now across the hockey world, uh, starting for the American Hockey League, is that CHL development rule. I mean, it's it caused a situation this year where the Carolina Hurricanes had to send the American Hockey League's leading scorer back to junior <laughs> halfway through the season, which has to be a first in any hockey league's history where the leading scorer in the league is essentially devoted. Uh, so um, for Kaliev, I think, yeah, uh, maybe you'd like to give him one more year or half, half a year in Ontario just to kind of smooth out some of those last little parts of his game. Uh, the defensive play and, and things like that. I mean, I think he definitely has a scoring touch. Um, you know, he's done so at every level. Um, you know, he even had a goal. It's <laughs> only a game in L.A. So um, he has a nose for the net. And now if you could just, uh, you know, kind of tie up those loose ends in his game, uh, I think that's generally the best way you can do it. If you look at the best player development systems like Washington and, and Tampa, uh, one thing they tend to do is they let players stay a little bit longer than maybe they even have to rather than bringing them up too soon. So they are on, the, on that side, and it tends to work out really well that uh, once you do call a player up, you want to keep them there and not kind of put them on that you know back-and-forth uh, yo-yo uh, that uh, you see some other teams do when they, they get a little bit impatient with their prospects. Yeah, and I'm sorry about that. I have too many prospects in my in my head. Um, he turns <laughs> he turns twenty. Yeah, he turns twenty in June. So yeah, I've completely forgot about that. Yeah. He will be age eligible. That, but that's an LA problem having all those high end prospects for sure. Yeah, it's, it's not the first time that's happened either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll be a byfield problem. Um, but uh, just another last follow up to uh, to Arthur Kaliev. Um, the big knock on him has been kind of the defense and skating right now. I know John Robleski has said in the um, post-game media calls that he's kind of applauded Kalia for making the efforts and his defensive strides this year. I guess, um, no pun intended, but strides has his skating improved that you can tell? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little hard now because we're kind of like socially distanced, you know, watching through video. Um, I think he's got enough skating uh, i mean he's never going to be you know you know the best or he's never going to be like a trevor zedris type skater but i think for what he is i mean i think especially with the teaching he's going to be and is getting in la i think you can get him up to at least a par where it's not if it's not necessarily an asset but at least it's not a, a detriment and i think if you can get him to that level i think that would be a victory. And it's funny that, I, you know, I, I talked with Robleski about that uh, one time after a game, but just more about the issue of skating in general. And, and we hear skating nonstop now as, as such a huge part of the game, and it is. And I asked him, uh, if a player skating is not up to par, is that kind of a fatal flaw in his NHL chances? And Robleski didn't think it w uh, necessarily has to be that, uh, you know, if you can get it up to at least a, a passable standard and then just really accentuate your other strengths. Like if a player's got great size or if he's got, you know, great uh, on ice vision or, or whatever, whatever your strengths are, uh, if you can at least get that skating um, to be adequate, then 
all those other assets can really kind of take over. So uh, I was kind of encouraged to hear that from Oblowski that, you know, that a, a stadium issue is not necessarily, you know, the, the end of the line for a young player. And uh, so I think for a guy like Kelly, for really anybody in that uh, LA system, uh, that has to be encouraging that, uh, you know, they won't automatically rule you out if your skating is not maybe up to uh, an elite NHL caliber level. Well, when you have a shot like Arthur Kelly, I was too, that kind of helps. <laughs> yeah, that, that does help. And yeah, there's a lot to like about his game. Then, uh, you know, if you can kind of work around his weaknesses, then, um, you know, and that's something, again, that's uh, become a lot more prevalent, I think, in the American Hockey League in terms of player development is allowing uh, players to focus on some of their strengths, not just completely just uh, tear them down with, uh, you know, well, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, just real quick, Patrick, uh, just to wrap up on Kelly, I can't talk about these guys enough, apparently. Um, <laughs> what kind of uh, – what? Pro comparison or player in the NHL, do you see Arthur Kelly of kind of being the finished product? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I see him a little bit similar to a Verhey, uh, just a, a guy with some raw talent that needs to be harnessed. Um, I think he's on a much faster trajectory, but um, I think, yeah, if you could get him up to a Verhey standard, I think you definitely would take that as a victory if you're the LA Kings. Yeah, I would I would say that Kaliev's almost kind of like a unicorn in a sense because, I mean, it's been rare to see a, a player with his size have a shot like he has. Yeah. I mean, if, like, the Kings really haven't seen or really haven't had a player like that in some time. So it's it's nice to have, finally have that sniper in the system that the Kings can have and who's really just – I mean, he has that wicked, wicked shot. And if if doesn't have that skating ability, that's totally fine. I mean, let him do a little cheating a little bit. Kind of his offensive production will make up for any type of lack of defensive or whatever he has. Exactly. So, yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, really, the the entire hockey world has been turned upside down this season. I mean, and I would even venture to guess that the AHL more so than the NHL, because I mean, I I actually live near Utica, New York. And mm-hmm. the Comets, who were the, the Canucks uh, farm club, were sharing the, the Blues and the, and the Canucks. There's a yeah. lot of teams that aren't playing in their home rinks, uh, the Ontario Reign being one of them. They're playing out of the yeah. Toyota Sports Performance Center, which is actually the LA Kings practice rink. <laughs> so with that said, is there what are the pros and cons of having the AHL team playing in their NHL team's practice rinks? Well, this year, I mean, I don't think there's – any real cons because all, but you know, most teams really don't have any fans. And even the ones that do, I mean, it's, it's a smattering of fans. I mean, you know, right. you put 500 fans in a 10,000 seat building I and mean, it still feels empty. So, um, <laughs> so that, yeah, I, I think this year, yeah. I mean, well, there's a lot of benefits. One of which is financial. Um, you can really pare down your costs that way. I think a lot of teams took that approach for that very reason. Um, it can be good, I think, like in Ontario's situation where you have it all centralized. Uh, you're under one roof with the Kings and, and the rain, and management can easily pop in and take in a game. You know, like if uh, if you're Rob Blake and, you know, you work all day and then 7 o'clock you can pop over and, and catch, you know, your, your, your prospects, that's great, right? Like, you know, so 
I think it's good in that sense. Uh, I, I don't think it's something that is sustainable long term for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is financial, but also a lot of players have remarked uh, that, you know, it is just a different vibe, um, you know, playing in a practice rink. And, and it's been a challenge for some coaches, like trying to keep up that intensity is, is difficult when you're essentially right. you're in a practice rink and there's no fans and it just kind of reinforces that, hey, we're in a pandemic and everything's different and weird and uh, not what it's normally uh, like. So, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, they managed to get through this year, uh, and that's a major victory for, for both the NHL and the AHL. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, players and coaches, everybody can't wait to get back into their normal ranks. Yeah, I'm sure I mean, with this unique year, we, we've had players like Byfield and Kaliev who were supposed to be playing in the OHL now in the AHL. So I'm sure the quality of play for some AHL games has kind of gone up, or at least the excitement level, because now you get these prospects who were just drafted just a year or two years ago, now all of a sudden playing AHL games where they wouldn't in any other year. Um, just to kind of lead into a question here, do you, are there other players around the or American Hockey League that you've noticed this year? That oh, yeah, kind of impressed absolutely. You? Yeah. Yeah. Don't say Trevor Zegras. <laughs> so I notice him every single night. He's on the ice. Yeah. Uh, but uh, – yeah, there's been a, I mean, that's been one of the weird things this year. Like, in some ways, the talent level's down because a lot of the vets and the taxi squad guys are up. But on the other hand, you have this this influx of 18, 19 year old first round picks. I never remember this many first rounders in the league at one time, uh, the way it's been this year. But uh, yeah, there's been a number. I mean, uh, Thomas Harley with Texas, the uh, first round pick by Dallas. Uh, 19-year-old defenseman and just looks polished already. I mean, he looks like he's ready for the NHL or very close. Connor Michael, another first-rounder in Hershey, which is just one of the premier development systems. Uh, the, the Hershey and the Caps always seem to turn out, you know, a couple players every year. Uh, so uh, that's been kind of a, uh, some, of, some of the bigger names. Alex Limoges is uh, in San Diego. I have to give him – a little bit of a shout out, uh, uh, unsigned or I should say undrafted player coming out of Penn State University, uh, signed with San Diego uh, after his college season has come in, become like a point per player game um, right off the bat. I mean, very little adjustment period for him coming in. Uh, and you see that sometimes with the young college or with the college guys that they're a little bit older, uh, 22, 23, and a little bit more uh, physically ready for the pro game. But uh yeah, those are some of the young guys that have uh, really stood out this year, just uh, coming in and just uh, kind of making it look almost easy uh, when it's anything but uh, for an 18-year-old or 19-year-old to come in and play against guys who are 26, 27 years old and have NHL backgrounds. Yeah, and Patrick, Trevor Zegers, just to go back to him for a quick second, the, the Ducks sent him back down to the AHL and converted him to a center. I just wonder mm -hmm. if you could kind of shed some light on um, if you think – he's capable of handling centerman duties or if he should have been left alone as a winger. Yeah. I, I'd like to see him get a little bit stronger if he's going to play center long-term, um, you know, uh, handling some of the, you know, the, the bigger centermen that you're going to deal with uh, at the NHL level, especially um, I will say from a technical standpoint, he's, he's definitely good going to get an education. Kevin Deneen there, uh, you know, veteran of 19 NHL seasons. I mean, former NHL coach himself, very, very demanding, uh, very, he can be very 
persistent, I guess is a nice way to put it. Um, and uh, so if you're a guy like Zegers, who's, uh, whose game up until this point has all been all about, you know, scoring goals and, and playing offensively. Now you're getting that, that, that hard education on, on all those kind of those unglamorous details, but parts of the game that, that you need to know, especially if you're going to play in center. I mean, I was a little surprised to see them take that approach. It just seems the easier approach would be to have them on the wing, but I, I can see why they want to do that uh, uh, long-term and the more versatility you can put into his game, the better. Uh, but it does, I think, um, add to his development time uh, more so than if you just kept him on the wing and kind of let him do, do his thing a little bit more. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. There is. Um, I, I have a question for you. It's been said sure. that it's, it's actually harder to go down to from the NHL down to the AHL than mm-hmm. it is to go from the AHL up to the NHL. Do you think that's true? Well, I've never played it at either level, but uh, <laughs> uh, I hear that all the time from players. Like, I mean, constantly that uh, the NHL is um, it's far less scrambly. Um, it's far more predictable. Um, you also have guys um, that have been together for a lot longer. I mean, your typical NHL team, they generally more or less stay together year to year. AHL teams, I mean, it changes mid-season. I mean, sure. uh, never mind year to year. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in that. It's a, it's a far more scrambly, far more grinding type of style too. I mean, um, and generally speaking, you know, uh, it's a little bit more unpredictable. You just have a lot more gap, I think, in terms of the, the talent levels. You have guys that are coming in at 20 years old, just right out of junior playing with guys that are 30 and, and pretty polished players. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've heard that a lot. Uh, and uh, I think there is a lot of truth to that for sure. Yeah. I mean, and plus, I mean, if there's a guy down there from the, you know, that went from the NHL down to the AHL, of course, a younger player is going to want to try to make a name for himself. by making a a play against that guy who was in the NHL or or whatever. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You get more guys running around, you get more uh, guys who are frankly kind of on their own page, kind of playing for themselves. So that's a challenge. Uh, Whereas in the NHL, you know, um, if you do that, obviously you're not going to get away with it. I mean, you're certainly not like a Joel Quenville is not going to put up with that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a real challenge. I mean, it's, and it's the same. You hear players that go down the ECHL from the AHL even more so. So every, kind of right. like every level you go down actually in a weird way becomes a little bit more difficult because it is that much more unpredictable. And not to mention the pay cut. Not, oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. So, uh, so actually, we do have some uh, some listener questions here for you. If you uh, okay, if you would so uh, be inclined to partake. All right. So the first one we got is from uh, Richard Sarabia, and I, I have to say this every time he, he submits a question because every I love time. it. <laughs> it's Dirty Harry. That's his his, uh, his Twitter handle. I love it. I can't help it. I have to say it every time. Just see it all. So, anyways, he's got a bunch of them. So I'm going to start off with. Let's see. Will there ever be a TV deal done that will expose the AHL and grow the league even more by showing rain games on Valley Sports West alongside the Kings games or ESPN? Ooh, um, I can't speak to Ontario specifically. I know that a television, uh, a real widespread television deal is a major, major um, goal for the American Hockey League. It's tough 
and they, they've had some success. They've been on NHL Network in the States. Uh, they've, they're on TSN, RDS across Canada at different points, but they don't have kind of that consistent uh, uh, television presence that I think you need in this day and age. Um, but uh, it, it's a challenge, and uh, the CHL has that, uh, but uh, the HL's kind of lacked that through the years. So um, they're working on it, but it's just, it's a, as usual, it's a question of making the money work. Well, yeah, I and mean, that's and that's just it too. And, and you know, some arenas just aren't equipped to for television either. That makes it kind of tough, you know. So uh, he also wants to know how cool is it that there won't be a Calder Cup awarded, but there is a playoffs in the Pacific. And how good do you think the rain will be next season with all the experience they got and going talent or talent they have right now? Uh, I think it's great. There's a playoff of some sort. I mean, it's. You know, at least it kind of like brings the season to a little bit more of a natural end. Uh, I know a lot of teams right now are kind of saying that, you know, it's weird. Like like you take Hershey, for example, they've just been on a roll. They're, they're really hitting their stride. And then this weekend it's over and they, everyone just kind of goes home and that's the end of it. Uh, so if you can at least have kind of a more normal ending to the season, even if it's not a true quarter cup playoff, I think that's ideal. Um, so. And what was the, the other question? Uh, he wants to know how how good do you think the rain will be next season oh. with all the experience they have? Well, yeah, assuming they don't completely graduate everybody up to the LA Kings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you can at least Kings keep some of those high-end guys yeah. down. That's what we want, uh, Patrick. <laughs> I would imagine you they would like to probably add at least a few more veterans than they did this year. I mean, the, this year the veteran market was really tough. Uh, teams just didn't have much interest in doing that so if you could supplement that a little bit more like get another uh, Cameron Gons or two in the lineup guys that are just really you know at this level they're top, top high-end players and they, they just make everything move a lot more smoothly yeah I think I think Ontario I mean the AHL is always difficult to predict just because of the turnover but I think Ontario absolutely given their growth this year next season could really be a, a, a dangerous team yeah, because you know what? I was thinking about something when you guys were talking about the rain earlier. And I, I, I'm maybe I'm just speaking for me, but this year the rain came in with such high expectations given all the high end prospects that were obviously going to be playing for the team. And people don't realize that when you have players that young, you have to get them some kind of experience. They're not just going to show up on the ice and go 12 0 0. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, again, uh, this is a case where people uh, underestimate the American Hockey League and, and they right. everybody kind of just thinks, um, you know, this is just a place uh, we'll put a guy for a week or two and he'll dominate and he'll come up. Yeah, for, for every Trevor Zegers that comes in and, and comes in and puts up some big points right away, there are a lot of young players, high-end, first-round, second-round picks that really struggle. I mean, again, like this is a case where these guys have never really had any um, – anything but success in their careers. Now they come in this league and they kind of get their head handed to them, you know, the first month or two. And it's a, it's a wake up call for a lot of them. Some of them don't get that wake up call and they kind of just uh, never really go beyond that. And that's how you end up with your, your first round picks. But those guys that really stick with it uh, are the ones that, that end up getting over that, that wall and eventually making it to the NHL. Yeah, and Patrick, um, while we're talking about the rain, if if there's one player besides Byfield, Turcotte, or Kaliev that's maybe kind of surprised you the most this season, who would that player be? 
Uh, this is an easy one for me. Uh, I'd say Boko, Boko Amama. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. You know, like he kind of got pegged as well. He's just an enforcer, right? And he's shown a nice offensive touch in his game this year. You know, he has six or seven goals through about 30 games. Um, you know, he's shown that uh, he can be a real, real, not just serviceable, but uh, competent downright competent player at this level. And I think um, he's an example of um, players so often kind of get get slotted into a certain role or they get labeled as, well, he's just this, or he's just that. And yeah, I mean, obviously he's, uh, he's a real heavyweight in this league, but, but the guy can play. Um, He has some real skill. And I think uh, now that he's getting a little bit of a chance to showcase it, and he's a great case of a player that's, had a little bit longer uh, development curve. I, I'd like to see him get, get get a shot at the NHL level just a bit and, and see what he could do. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's enough talent there that, uh, you know, he's a player that, you know, in a situation where uh, there's so many first and second round picks and guys that are seemingly on the fast track, uh, a guy like uh, Mama is, uh, is a little bit more of a success story in the sense that uh, it really – illustrates the um, the need for patience with young players and that you can't just necessarily write them off a year or two into their pro career. So, yeah, he'd be my pick for a guy that I think has exceeded expectations and actually shown that, you know, he, I think, has at least an outside shot at the NHL. We actually had him on the program a few weeks ago, and we had the chance to ask him about his fight with Jan Jenik. which was uh we had uh got the video and we it was our our pin tweet for the the longest time so we had a a fun chat with him about that fight (laughs) yeah it was a pretty pretty fast fight (laughs) fast hands fast fight i mean yeah he's uh i'd put him up against any heavyweight in this league i mean i haven't seen a better one put it that way um, you know, it's, it's kind of a throwback, you know, you're more like yeah. you're 12, 15 years ago than your, your current day AHL, but yeah, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's shown that he's more than just a guy that you drop the gloves. Yes, he has. He certainly has. So to finish up with, uh, Richard's questions here, uh, the last well, couple here, uh, if the gulls and rain are the final two teams in the playoffs, can it be best of seven instead of three games since it's the best rivalry in the AHL? <laughs> and I'll just finish up here with him. He also wants to know with Seattle coming in, will there be another realigning of the divisions? Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I, I second that. Yeah. Can we get a best of seven? If it's because <laughs> It is by far the best rivalry year to year, uh, no matter if the players change or not, uh, for whatever reason, they just seem to get at it every time and uh, have that intensity. I mean, it's kind of the, that Pacific division in general has that, that level of intensity that I don't necessarily see elsewhere. Uh, but uh, they're kind of the peak of that division. So uh, that's the first thing. And as far as Seattle coming in, uh, so yeah, 20 fall of uh, 22, supposedly, and I put that in capital letters, Palm Springs <laughs> is supposed to come in. Now they've had a heck of a time getting their building um, going, uh, they were originally supposed to break ground in February, 2020. Uh, that plan got, uh, scrapped as mm. of now, they're, they're still have not broken ground. So they would only have 17 months to put up 
what's going to be like a $250 million building, which does not seem like all that much time to do that. So, but if they do come in, I do think, yeah, you'll see, um, you'll see a realignment of some sort. I think you would probably see Colorado go to the central division. Maybe an outside chance that you would send Tucson. I think that's less likely. Um, but uh, that would at least prevent you from getting a little bit too uh, top heavy. Chris, you have to remember now you have Abbotsford coming in uh, right. with the Vancouver Canucks. So they're going to take a spot up in the Pacific division. So all of a sudden it's, 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 it's getting pretty crowded out, out there on the West Coast. You know, this is no longer the traditional AHL that's uh, Eastern heavy. Uh, it's, it's like uh, the old IHL very, now. Yeah, it really is. It's great for hockey. It's great, especially out here on the West Coast. I mean, there's some excitement around the rain. And when, when the rain were, or when fans were allowed in the buildings, the fans over in Ontario, those games were fun to watch and go, fun to go to. You get those $2 beer nights, and that'll, yeah, that'll get the crowd going. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been honestly one of the best things I think that ever happened in American Hockey League. It just opened up a whole new uh, – uh, market for the for the league and uh, I saw that last year at the, at the all-star game out in Ontario and uh, how the fans there really gravitated toward that and it was really the first time I think fans on the west coast got to see some of those eastern teams and uh, but uh, you had you know you had fans coming in from Stockton and Tucson and everywhere San Diego obviously uh, so yeah you're building that that same uh, strength on the west coast that you've always had uh back east yeah and russell i think those games were fun because for you because it was two dollar beer night (laughs) (laughs) from what i remember remember it (laughs) (laughs) i wish that the uh the western teams could play the eastern teams more often i know it's it's travel logistics is is a nightmare for that but yeah, Hopefully they'll be able to work that out you know i would say i would say to fans um just remember this um a road trip like that, let's say you go off for a week, you're probably looking at six figure cost. Yeah. Um, so it's a tough, that's a tough, yep. especially now coming out of a pandemic, it's going to be even tougher, but I do agree. It would be nice at least to see a little bit more East West now and then just to kind of you know, give the schedule a little bit more variety, but maybe someday. Right. Right. <laughs> and Patrick, I believe Henderson is just about uh, getting close to having their uh, venue completed is that correct yeah that building has gone up uh, amazingly fast uh, six months and they they have the, pretty much the entire uh, framework of the building up uh that's another building that's gonna be just phenomenal i mean it's it's hard to believe this the age all sometimes like <laughs> i'm used to still kind of the old school you know like the uticos of the world like small like throwback type buildings and now you're getting these these places that are just like these palaces i mean uh like, you know, you look at uh, Ontario's building, I mean, that's one of the nicest buildings in the league. And so you got it, like, that's what I like about this league. You get some variety. You get, yeah, you get the nice flashy buildings, but you also do get your throwback buildings like like a Utica, a Syracuse, a Rochester. Right. Um, that kind of gives you the best of both worlds. And you, in Utica, you can get chicken riggies and greens and tomato pie to bring your Pepto. That's all. <laughs> Utica you know, is, is, for Trust my me. money, probably the top environment in the league. I mean, that's just <laughs> man. You can go there like on a Wednesday night, like in January, and they're playing, uh, you know, Syracuse for the seventy fifth time of the, that season, and the fans are still oh, yeah. pretty wired. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it gets a little intense. 
You don't think it's like, you know, it's been like, street, so. it's really been one of the best success stories because, you know, when they came in and really it had been like 20 years since they had the AHL, I don't think right. anybody really knew what to expect. And then they're coming in with kind of a, not a natural affiliation like Vancouver. And they came in, they just, they just killed it. I mean, right off well, the bat. And yeah. uh, ever since then, I mean, that's, that's why they got that New Jersey affiliation now because like teams want to be there. Like, right. You got to just credit Robert Ash and the fan oh, base there with what they've done. I mean, they came in, they took a building that way, you know, hadn't hosted uh high American ho- hockey league level hockey for 20 years uh, a market that, you know, nobody knew what to expect and they came in and now they have the renovations in the building and they're just, uh, they look like they're a long time, long-term uh, uh, member of the league now. It uh, doesn't look yeah. like, you know, they're, they're no longer a question mark. They become a big success story. Oh, definitely. And, you know, getting that building renovated was key because yes. I mean, it was, it was falling apart. Yeah. But, um, but so, uh, we got another person here who's got a question for you. Uh, it's and I hope I'm going to say this correctly. It's uh, Stephen Faracoli. I think that's how you say it. Okay. And we're going to go outside the rain. We're going to come back east. He wants to know. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> do you think that Syracuse Crunch head coach Ben Drell uh, will draw interest from an NHL team this season, or do you think he is in the perfect situation in the AHL? Well, uh, depends who you're asking. If you're asking the Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm sure they think he's in the perfect situation. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he's done a phenomenal job there developing players. I mean, gosh, it seems like four or five guys every year go up, uh, and, and not only go up to Tampa, but like make a difference there. And, you know, it's not just your, your, your first rounders. It's guys that come in as like, you know, like a Yanni Gord came out on a, on a PTO from the ECHL. And now he's, he's got a six year deal in the NHL. He's got a color or a Stanley cup rain. I mean, he's a big part of that lineup. Uh, for, you know, really one of the top contenders again this year. And um, a lot of that is, is, is the work Ben Grew has done there. And uh, uh, you have to give him all, all the credit in the world. I think the one thing with Ben is his style can be tough. Like, and he's very demanding, and that doesn't always go over well sometimes with NHL players who are kind of a little bit more set in their ways and are not as open to or, uh, you know. John Tortorella. I was just yeah, going to say that. Just, <laughs> just sort of, say that yeah, I wouldn't go as yeah, wouldn't go as far as Tortorella because, <laughs> like, you know, he's got a probably a little less, you know, I don't know, dominating personality. But uh, um, yeah, he's hard on players. Um, but uh, I think the players that buy into what he's doing, they love him, and they they really like what he does. For him, I think it will just take somebody giving him a shot, uh, you know, somebody kind of overlooking maybe that, that concern about, uh, well, he might not mesh well with NHL players and uh, saying that, yeah, he's our guy. I wouldn't rule him out. I think he's certainly one of the top coaches in the league in terms of performance. I think it will just be a matter of getting over that reputation a little bit. Well, and there are going to be some uh, NHL head coach opening spots too. So oh, yeah. Several um, them, yeah. So we got one last question, and this one's also from Steven. Uh, he wants to know, is there an NHL-AHL franchise pipeline where there's an abundance of NHL talent that may lose players to waiver claims because of a logjam at the NHL level? Yeah. Well, that's this year that's <laughs> tough because the rosters are just a mess and everything's jumbled up. But, um, 
I would say Hershey Washington. That's always a concern because uh, they tend to get those guys that are right on the bubble that are maybe four or five years in, so they're waiver eligible. Um, so not necessarily so much for this year, but yeah, I could see that next year being an issue uh, where you got your Daniel Cars of the world, your Daniel Spraws, your you know Paula Dudes, guys that are you know familiar Western West Coast fans uh, or now in, in that Washington system. Um, yeah, there it's a tough lineup to break into in Washington. And if you're a guy who's got four or five, six years pro experience, you're on that waiver wire. I can see, yeah, somebody getting picked up, um, that way. Yeah. And I think that's going to actually become more and more prevalent too, um, with all the, the talent that's available. Um, but no, that's, that's, that's great. We, we appreciate it. And, um, so next season, uh, hopefully things will be back to normal. Are you going to be able to, uh, hit more and more of the rinks or? Yeah. In a typical year, I'm kind of all over the place, uh, every weekend. And now this year, this year has been weird. I've, you know, barely been anywhere. And, uh, you know, even when you are there, it's like, you're not really there cause it's just so, so different. So yeah, um, I have, uh, tentatively scheduled. Yeah. I'd like to start next season out in Henderson, uh, and kind of see what they're about and, uh, get the lay of the land in person. And then, uh, yeah, you know, work my way around from there. I mean, that's the thing now. You got these little pockets uh, of teams, uh, you know, little clusters in different parts of the league. So uh, travel-wise, it can work really well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. If you're in Utica sometimes, let's get together for a beer and some tomato pie. How's that sound? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, that sounds great. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Patrick, we uh, we really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk to us. This has been great. Uh, wonderful insight into uh, what's going on in the AHL. Um, you know, absolutely enjoy the rest of the season, and uh, you are welcome back anytime, my friend. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. I really yeah, appreciate thanks, that, and great talking hockey with you guys. Thank absolutely. you very much, Patrick. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Yeah, All right. That was that was Patrick Williams. Uh, like I said, he's the uh, AHL beat writer for NHL.com, and he also writes for EP Rinkside. That was, that was pretty cool. That was, that, uh, inside look and how the things are going in the AHL this year because it is it's been topsy turvy, for lack of a better term, I guess. Um, but yeah, I couldn't I couldn't imagine. Um, it's tough enough covering one team all the time. I just I don't know how he does it <laughs> covering oh all God, of them. I know. I feel like I'm constantly watching games. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's cool now. I mean, be, I mean, with me on the West Coast, I mean, we. I remember when. It was the Manchester Monarchs, and I, mm-hmm. I never got to see a Manchester Monarchs game. I wouldn't even remember where to go see it online or anything. And now we have Ontario Rain, we have the San Diego Goals, and now Henderson, and now Palm Springs even. And the West Coast hockey is growing and growing, and it's just it's really cool to see. It is. It absolutely is. Well, guys, uh, guess what? Our LA Kings are playing their last game of the season right now. It's the start of the second period, and they're winning one to nothing. I know they, so, scored, they scored on their fourth shot of the game. Walker, our man. <laughs> that was a nice little breakaway. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you what. Let's wrap this up so we can enjoy the rest of this game. Hopefully, uh, they end up winning it. Um, I want to see them go out with a win. So, what do you say, boys? Let's wrap this up. Well, would Sounds you rather good. would you rather see Colorado win the division or Vegas? Let me just ask uh, you that. Yeah, I don't I think mean, it really matters. To be honest yeah. with you, I really don't. Yeah, I think I think those two teams are going to face each other in the second round. Regardless, yeah, no, I agree. 100%. You know? yeah. And right. uh, you you never want to see your team lose. I can't help it. 
Yeah. <laughs> as much as I as much as I don't want to see Vegas win the division. Oh well. <laughs> so, anyways, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, we're gonna get out of here and watch the rest of this game. So for Ryan Sykes, for Russell Morgan, I'm Scott Kinville. Watching our last game of the season. So we get to say it one more time, folks. Go Kings, go, and we'll talk to you the next time. Uh-huh.